In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good evening, church. As we come to this third night of the Tritium, as we move from Lent into Easter, which we have done now, it is a joyous night, isn't it? Looking back at the lessons you've just heard, we, we heard in our vigil these, these four themes, that we are made by a gracious and good God, but we have turned from Him, we've rebelled against Him, we've turned inward to satisfy our own needs and become self-centered. This leads to bondage and ultimately to death. And it's exemplified in the the lesson from the Exodus passage as we deal with the slavery of Egypt and God's bringing the people out of bondage into freedom. But remember that many died along the way because, as the scriptures say, they were stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and tried God, though they knew his words. But finally, we come to the Ezekiel passage. From Ezekiel chapter 37, this priest who is taken off into captivity finds himself far from the temple in Jerusalem in Babylon and is made a prophet and told to prophesy to dead bones that they might receive flesh and have spirit life poured into them, giving hope that one day God would bring back the dead to life. Creation, sin and rebellion, bondage and freedom, the hope of resurrection. These are the themes of the Easter Vigil that we've heard tonight. I wonder if these thoughts were on the minds and hearts of those women as they went to the tomb. I imagine not. Perhaps they aren't on your mind tonight as you think about your own struggles and the things that that get in your head and the things that you're preoccupied for, for those women, those faithful women, and aren't we so glad there is always those faithful women in the church. Those faithful women were simply going to pick up the broken pieces. They were going to attend to their dead rabbi the one who they believed to be the Messiah come to set them free, who was brutally murdered on Good Friday. They came, these two Marys, to pick up the pieces. But in God's providence, they become the first witnesses to the resurrection, which is crazy because in that time and place, a woman's testimony was not allowed in a court of law. And yet God uses these women, these faithful women, to be the first heralds and evangelists to Jesus Christ's resurrection. Now, Christ was not raised in the morning. He was raised probably somewhere after sundown, which is why I love the Easter Vigil. Because I can imagine God the Father waiting until the sun set and that third day had begun to call his son Jesus back from death to life. 
like Lazarus from the tomb, except instead of Lazarus come forth, Jesus come forth. But these women who go in the early morning after the, after the morning rise, they are the ones who get to herald Jesus' resurrection. There is an earthquake. There is an angelic herald. There is a rolled away stone. There are terrified soldiers, not for any other reason but to remind us that this, in fact, was an historical event. These women were not hallucinating. They needed to know firmly in their own mind that, in fact, Jesus was not there. And so though he didn't have to have the stone removed to walk out, they needed to look in and see the empty tomb. Hope is restored. A day of great rejoicing. We're told these women are instructed by the angel that they're to go and tell their brothers that they will go to Galilee and meet the risen Jesus there, and so they go. They go, we are told, with fear and great joy, a mixed bag to say the least. Isn't it interesting how throughout the gospel passages there's always this combination of fear and great joy? Well, of course there is. If stone-cold soldiers are made to fall down like dead men, you can imagine what this angelic creature looked like. And yet the women go. And who do they run into but Jesus himself? They encounter the risen Jesus. Not only do they get to herald the, the evangelist message that Christ is risen from the dead, but in fact they meet the risen Jesus on the way. And they fall at his feet, grabbing onto him one more evidence that, in fact, this is not simply just a hallucination or a spiritual uh, apparatus. This is, in fact, Jesus in the body, raised from the dead. They grab his feet and they begin to worship, something that a good Jew would never do unless they are convinced that, in fact, Jesus is not simply just an earthly Messiah, but, in fact, the Son of God. He is there in body, and they worship him. And the reality that the creator of the universe that was spoken of in Genesis chapter 1 and chapters 2 in fact, has come among us to be one of us, to give his life as a ransom for the world. Now, it's clear that the women accomplished their mission. We're all sitting here tonight, aren't we? Somebody told you that Jesus is alive, and you've come to worship the risen Jesus in this place, This is their job, their wonderful privilege to go and tell others about this resurrected life that they too can experience. A life transformed by the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's this transformed life that Paul begins to speak about in Romans chapter 6 that you heard read a moment ago. It is this transformed life that that takes Saul of Tarsus, a murderer, and makes him Paul the apostle, evangelist, missionary to the known world. It's this transforming life of Jesus Christ, the resurrection, 
who takes Peter, a denying coward and yet violent man, and turns him into the great leader of the apostles. It is the transforming newness of life offered in the resurrection of Jesus that takes Mary Magdalene from a woman possessed by demonic forces and makes her the first witness to the resurrection. Friends, brothers and sisters, it is this resurrected life that we too get to herald today, that we get to share in these women's first duty, responsibility, calling, to call other people to newness of life. And all of a sudden, Jesus' words from John chapter 11 make more sense. I am the resurrection and I am the life, Jesus says. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he who lives in me shall never die. Jesus offers life that cannot be taken away. Life that is eternal. Life that is God given that is the fulfillment ultimately of Ezekiel 37's prophetic word from the mouth of Ezekiel to the people of Israel. I will raise you from the dead, Israel. I will make you alive and I will put my spirit in you. Tonight, we baptize these candidates who've come into the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ into the promise of new and eternal life that is offered in Christ. Christ who was crucified for our sin and rebellion and who was raised to life, victorious over sin and death, delivering us from bondage into that perfect freedom for which the, the exodus out of Egypt was simply a foretaste. Free to live a life of obedience, no longer slaves to sin, as Paul declares in Romans 6. To know that Christ loves us and has given his life for us. Friends, today we get to partake in this resurrection life. Like these women, these first witnesses, we get to encounter the risen Jesus in worship. Do you know him today? He's here in our midst. He desires for you not simply to proclaim that he has raised from the dead, but to meet him in the spirit and truth and to know him in this place. We are privileged to invite others into this resurrected life even while we wait for our own bodily resurrection, we know and live this newness of life and call other people into this life. Even as we face the grave, we know that for us, life is not ended. It is only changed. And life is now in us as it was for those women at this empty tomb Life is reoriented, reoriented to the life of the resurrected Jesus, recognizing that he, is, he has won the victory over a system and a world that perpetuates fear and hate and oppression and evil. 
They may win a skirmish here or there, but our older brother, Jesus, will have the final word. And despite what the world may throw at us, despite how it may try to discourage and crush our spirits, or distract us from the things of God and His purpose for us in this life, we know that Jesus will have the victory. Paul declares that at the end of 1 Corinthians, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia.